Hello and welcome to the latest podcast from the Lancet Infectious Diseases. I'm Richard Lane and it's Wednesday, September the 11th. For this podcast, we're focusing on a research article and this concerns artemisinin resistance to Plasmodium falciparum malaria in Southeast Asia. Let's hear from one of the authors of the study introducing himself. So my name is Pidemena. I am the head of the Malaria Molecular Epidemiology Unit at Institut Pasteur du Cambodge. Uh, in Phnom Penh, Cambodia. Didier, many thanks indeed for talking to the Lancet Infectious Diseases on the line from Phnom Penh. We must apologise to listeners, but I'm sure they will understand that, that the quality of the line isn't 100%, but it's good enough to run the interview. So many thanks indeed for talking to us. Didier, your article concerns artemisinin resistance in relation to plasmodium falciparum malaria. We hear a lot about artemisinin resistance. What is the scale of this problem in terms of the treatment of malaria in general? The scale of the problem is not easy to, to define because uh, artemisinin resistance, uh, which is currently recognized as a slow uh, artemisinin, artemisinin parasite clearance rate in patients treated by artemisinin or ACT, can only be accessed from frequent parasite density counts in patients or in clinical studies. The problem is that these patients need to have um, initial criteria to be enrolled, such as uh, a parasitemia uh, higher than 10,000 parasites per microliter of blood. And in regions like uh, Cambodia of low transmission, uh, parasite clearance study require to screen thousands of people. So it's, um, this, this kind of study are logistically and financial, financially demanding and it's difficult to, to, for the patient because they need to be, um, to stay at the hospital for three days. So the problem is that, uh, we have few data about artemisinin resistance. What we know is that uh, we have found a uh, resistant parasite in Western Cambodia, in uh, Western Thailand, in Southern Burma, and in, in Vietnam. Thank you very much indeed. And specifically in your study, you report for the first time, both in vitro and ex vivo, the development of an assay that actually detects the resistance to Plasmodium falciparum. Can you tell us how you developed this assay and, and what exactly is it showing? In fact, the current uh, in vitro assay that we used to use were designed to access the susceptibility of, uh, of antimalarial drugs with a long elimination pharmacokinetic profile, such as chloroquine or mefloquine. Uh, these assays are based on continuous exposure of plasmodium falciparum parasite to increasing concentration of antimalarial drug during the entire life cycle of their blood stage development. But the problem that we, um, so far, we didn't find a correlation between uh, the, this, this kind of this format of in vitro assay and clinical data. And one potential reason is that the, the, this assay, the parasites uh, uh, were exposed in this assay with two very low concentration of dihydroartemidinin, uh, which is the metabolite of all artemidinins, uh, for 48 to 72 hours, uh, whereas parasites in vivo are exposed to much higher concentration of uh, 
deep for afternoon dining for only one to two hours. So to mimic the in vivo exposure of uh, circulating ring stage parasites to pharmacologically relevant uh, dose of gidroartemisinin, uh, we expose synchronized ring stage parasite to a brief high dose pulse of this drug. So this novel approach, with this novel approach, we were able to first demonstrate that uh, the, the assay is reliable to detect artemisinin-resistant parasites, and secondly, to confirm that the susceptibility of artemisinin-resistant parasites is controlled at the early stage of parasite development, which is consistent with uh, previous uh, publication uh, from mathematical modeling prediction of transcriptomic data. And we also know that trophozoids uh, of artemisinin-resistant parasites remain susceptible to artemisinin. So this assay then, other than doing the very important thing, which is identifying whether patients infected have tolerant or resistant parasites, do you think the assay that you developed could also have a broader usefulness in, in helping us understand the complex nature of malaria resistance? We think that the, the, we, have, uh, we have reached a crucial step to understand the mechanisms of resistance. In fact, the, the in vitro RSA can be used now as a new laboratory approach to understand artemisinin uh, resistance, especially through molecular studies. Its main advantage is, compared to clinical data, is that the RSA is unaffected by in vivo variables like pharmacokinetics, hemoglobin type, or immunity that, that might affect the parasite clearance eyesight, which is the, the clinical outcome of uh, the clinical study. So this in vitro phenotype might also be a useful readout in study to define and validate molecular markers. So the next step, which this uh, new assay, will be to, to, to conduct studies aiming to compare the whole genome sequence of parasites with different RSA survival rates. To use this in vitro phenotype to screen parasite progenic clones obtained from genetic crosses between artemisinin-sensitive and artemisinin-resistant parasite line, we can also use this assay to assess the phenotype of the different population circulating in Western Cambodia, which has been described by, uh, recently by uh, Muto and co-workers in Nature Genetics, and uh, mainly to validate uh, candidate molecular markers through genetic manipulation of parasites. A key question, of course, is that malaria is prevalent nearly always in um, low-resource settings, in areas where access to laboratories um, can, can be limited. So how accessible or how available, how easy is the assay to use in resource-poor settings where there may be limited laboratory capacity? This is a good question, and it was one of our objectives is to develop a test that we can use in, in the field. We have developed... Um, Beside the in vitro format of our assay, we have also designed ex vivo format, which can be used in the field. 
In fact, this assay, um, with this assay, um, we, we just need to have the same level of expertise uh, in cellular culture or we need the same equipment that we used to use for the classical in vitro assay. And the minimum equipment required to, to do this assay is only a safety cabinet, an incubator, and a microscope. That's all. Well, that sounds very encouraging. And uh, final question, and it is a big question, <laughs> realize there may not be a straightforward answer to it, but do you think this has the potential, stress the word potential, to actually eliminate malarial resistance in Southeast Asia? And, and could it have a role in monitoring uh, resistance um, in other parts of the world? Yes, we, we think that we, with this, this two novel assets, we have achieved a, a crucial step. Um, I mean that with the in vitro RSA, we are now able to study the molecular mechanisms involved in Artemisin resistance more easily with this assay. We are also able to screen new drugs, uh, effective drugs on Artemisin resistant parasites, which is very important. We need to develop new drugs. The ex vivo assay, which can be easily implemented in, in field-based settings, we are now able to easily monitor the, the spread, the worsening of artemisin resistance. In countries where we, we have already found resistant parasites like Western Cambodia, but also in other countries, like uh, other countries in the greater Mekong uh, subregion, and especially in Africa, where the arrival of artemisin resistance 